The WBGC just ended. I'm going crazy about it. The Warriors actually win on the road. 49ers free agency a week into this thing. What does the NFC looks like? Let's go. It is time. I jumped the gun there. Thanks for joining us. Unleashed various sports talk with me, John Lund from KBR Radio in San Francisco. I got a big smile on my face because, well, I'll tell you in just a second. Thanks for joining us. Open forum tonight on a Monday. I felt it necessary to go live and talk because there's a ton of stuff going on right now. It's a fun time in sports, man. It's an underrated time of year. With the NCAA tournament, at least on my TV set, a ton, and the WBC is thrilling to me. I got a little thought on it. The Warriors win a road game. That never happens. I don't care if it's Houston. You got to take them when you can get them. Nine games left in the season, plus Dallas lost to Memphis. I'll tell you why that is good news tonight, so we can get into that conversation and start trying to see if we can piece this thing together in the Western Conference. As far as the Giants are concerned, spring training, I have one question. We had Susan Slusser on our show today from spring training, and you can listen to that at KBR.com if you want to do that. But uh, if you're new to the program, thank you very much. Thank for, thanks for tuning in to the uh, YouTube channel. Very simple. Please subscribe. We do live chats. We do all sorts of stuff. I put out uh, five shows a week. Whatever it is that we need to talk about, we talk about. And thank you very much. I do not take your viewership for granted or your listenership because a couple of ways you can get a hold of us. Of course, we do the podcast of this very show. Uh, wherever you get your favorite podcast, whether it's Apple, Spotify, however you want to do it, that's what we do. Then, of course, you can hear me. And the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on KNBR 680 in the Bay Area in San Francisco. Or if you're not in the Bay Area, just go to KNBR.com. We stream it. We have a brand-new app as well. So make sure that you check all those things out. Thank you very much. Let me just start with the WBC. Then I want to get out to some questions. Here's one thing. I I don't want to talk about the WBC yet. I want to talk how, how we view things. Uh, I'm not going to beg you to love the WBC. I just watched Japan and Mexico. I thought it was great. Uh, the other night when Trey Turner hit the Grand Slam, I thought it was great. Uh, even when Mexico beat U- the U.S. in Arizona 11-5, my son was at the game because he goes to Arizona State. It's right down the road from me. Walked down there and got some tickets. Uh, the atmospheres have been great. Uh, a lot of the other countries care more about winning this than they even would a World Series. So there's just a lot of country pride going on, and as it's gone on, it's just been a lot of fun. But if you don't like watching it, that's cool. Like, I never have understood people who are like, you've got to like what I like. Just like with food, like if you don't like a certain food, I don't get mad that you don't like my food. Hey, try it. Okay, you don't like it. Cool. It's kind. Of, it's weird that people are just like screaming and yelling and pounding the table. You gotta like the WEC. Well, you don't if you don't. You don't have to if you don't want to. I'm enjoying consuming it. I think it's absolutely amazing. If you don't like it, it's fine. Hockey fans are like that. Soccer fans are like that. Like, I, I'm not a big soccer guy. I, I moderately like hockey. I like it in the playoffs for sure, and I watch a lot of it. But I consume different things just like I consume different things when I eat something. So you don't have to like what I eat. You don't have to like what I watch. Like, I, I just find it to be kind of funny and a sociological experiment that, that everybody is pounding the table and trying to convince someone to like something. And, and human nature is if you're trying to convince me so much to like it, like when my parents would try to throw broccoli or Brussels sprouts or, or peas or carrots or whatever down my throat when I was a kid, like, I, I knew that you kind of have that innate, ability to like if you're trying to shove it down my throat it's not that good hamburgers french fries hot dogs junk food ice cream like you don't have to convince me to like it you know what I mean the NFL is kind of like ice cream like everybody likes that um I like the WBC you don't have to like the WBC I find it to be very entertaining the injuries are the injuries a tight game with Japan and Mexico was awesome 
Um, you don't see Otani, Shohei Otani, get emotional. He had a double to lead off the ninth inning, and he was like, he was going crazy. And then they talked to him after the game. Ken Rosenthal threw an interpreter, and he said he might pitch tomorrow night. Like, this thing's going to be crazy. It's going to be awesome. I hope it's another game like this. If it's not, it's not. But I just I think the WBC is awesome, and I can't wait to talk to some of the Giants players, uh, especially a guy like Logan Webb who was going to do it, and he didn't. And re- they've said through this whole process, Mike Trout, uh, a number of years ago, watched it on TV, and is like, I'm, going, I'm doing that thing next time. So I wonder if there's going to be more USA players because – it's not an automatic they, that they beat Japan tomorrow night because they may not have the pitching, and Japan does. The kid for Japan, the 21-year-old kid, he got rocked with a home run. He's throwing like 102. Uh, every other pitch, 100, 101, 102. It was, an, it was awesome. So give me your thoughts on it. That's number one on my list. I love it, but you don't have to love it. You don't have to love it. I'm not going to shove it down your throat. It's not peas. Uh, Johnny, what's going on? Gold coming back to the Niners. I will get up to get to that in a minute. Jeffrey. Uh, thank you very much, my friend. I appreciate your support. Uh, good to see you, Daniel. Great to see you. Happy Monday to everybody. Uh, Sharon Scranger, the show and the Kings Jazz. <laughs> right on, man. One twenty-one, one eighteen, Jazz. That's one of my old haunts. Uh, Utah there with Craig Bowlerjack and the call and all those guys. Uh, thank goodness for the Rockets, Daniel. I agree with you. Go USA, except for the Dodgers. Agreed. And you don't have to root for uh, Trey Turner as a Dodger. You root for Trey Turner, the Philly, and that's going to be a problem. But again. I'm just saying, look, I like the WBC. You may like a movie I don't like. You may like a certain food I don't like. I just think it's funny. We don't try to shove movies down someone's throat if they like to like it. We don't try to say, hey, you got to try this food. And someone might try it. And then if they don't like it, you don't go, no, 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 you're wrong. Try it again. Uh, it's just been kind of funny, the whole WBC and everybody trying to shove it down everybody's throat. It's awesome. I love it. I enjoy it. If people haven't watched it, I have a lot of people at work that are just like, eh, it's just okay. I mean, it's entertaining. Uh, it's not a long-term thing. It's a short-term thing. I understand those people who are upset with injuries. The Astros with Altuve's injury. Uh, the the Mets with Diaz's injury. I mean, maybe we'd have a different viewpoint. I said this the other day, both on the podcast and the KNBR show. You know, if it was somebody on the Giants, if Logan Webb had decided to play and he got hurt, yeah, we'd have a whole, totally different thing. If uh, Camilo Duvall was the one who was injured because of Edwin Diaz, it would be a totally different thing. We'd, everyone would be frustrated by it. But to me, it just is what it is. I mean, Gavin Lux got hurt in spring training. All these teams, they try to minimize injuries. They still happen. You know, you don't play guys in preseason in the NFL. You don't play guys but a few innings in spring training in baseball. NBA preseason's pretty much a joke. You play guys a few minutes. They're trying to minimize risk. I understand it. But the WBC isn't nothing. Like, I've heard guys say, I've heard people in social media say, well, it's just nothing. Well, it's not nothing. Because a lot of these guys who grew up in other countries specifically, and I don't know why it's not born and bred in us in the U.S., other than the Olympics. You know, we're really big in the Olympics. But in other international competitions, we're kind of like, eh. Like, I've covered the Ryder Cup on a number of occasions, and it's just okay. They'd rather win the Masters. They'd rather win majors. I understand that. A lot of baseball players are saving themselves for their team, and they'd rather win the World Series. Totally understand it. But I would think that a lot of guys, who, especially pitchers who didn't pitch in the WBC, next time around, if they're of that age, they still could, much like Trout still could. It said, man, I was watching that on TV, and I wanted to do it. And I think there's a lot of guys that are going to want to do it. So that's one side of it. Uh, totally open form tonight. You want to get into the Niners a week into this? Doesn't it seem like it was like a month ago? I mean, a week ago, they agreed to terms with Javon Hargrave and then mass exodus and all this kind of stuff. I want to get your thoughts on the NFC, we've seen, I think the Eagles have kept enough, plus they have picks 10 and 30. 
Uh, I think Detroit is going to be a factor. And believe me, I worked in Detroit. Uh, they have screwed so many things up, and the Fords still own the team. And I'm not a I'm not a believer in the Lions. I mean, they find they find a way to screw everything up. When Matt Millen was there, they did the Millen Man March with the bags on their heads, and they were playing the Bengals, and they wore orange at Ford Field, like a lot. It, it said Millen Man March in the T-shirts, and they were orange because that was the Bengals in protest of the way that the Lions were playing. I mean, I lived there and covered the Lions at that point. Did pre and post game for the Lions. It's it's a hor- it's been a horrible organization, but I'm looking at them now going, they just revamped their secondary. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Emmanuel Mosley, that kind of stuff. They've got a good offense. I don't believe in Jared Goff a ton, but again, pick 6, 18, 48, and 55 for them. I think they're, they've done good things. Dallas has d- g- done good things with Brandon Cooks and uh, Stephon Gilmore. And then you got the 49ers, Javon Hargrave. And what they've done, are they better? I guess that would be my question. A, are the 49ers better? And B, what do you think of the pecking order right now, like top four or five in the NFC is? So we can get into that conversation. If you want to talk some giant spring training, we can do that. Um, I'm a big fan, and maybe I'm wrong, and this is just an old school thing. And I'm just throwing some stuff against the wall, and then let's hit a bunch of things. And whatever you want to talk about is fine. Hit me up on the uh, a chat line, and I'll start answering some of these questions. Uh, I've joked a ton on the show on KNBR about Casey Schmidt just because I'm a card collector and I have about 10 autographed and a few rares and stuff like that. I just, I started collecting them. I got lucky in a couple of packs and I said, what the heck, let's go all in on Casey Schmidt. I had heard some good things for him down at San Jose, uh, San Diego State. He had a big time arm, was a pitcher and a hitter. Got off to kind of a slow start as a minor leaguer at San Jose. Wasn't hitting, could always field. And then it's kind of exploded onto the scene. And so what was the number one charge of the Giants in the offseason? You know, get better defensively, right? Our pitching staff isn't very good because the defense can't make the basic plays. Defense, defense, defense. Okay. So what they do in the offseason? Not better at first base. Lamont Wade is not better than Brandon Belt. They're the same at second base. They're the same at shortstop, and Belt's a year older. Uh, David Villar, is he better than a healthy Evan Longoria? Probably not. Uh, in the outfield, they took Mike Yastrzemski from right field to center. He's not as good in center as right. They might be a little bit better defensively, but I don't know what's going on. Def- you know, I, I haven't seen Conforto up close and personal in the outfield. He's had a lot of injuries. We've already got an injury to Mitch Hanniger, so I don't know if they're going to be better defensively. I don't know what Joey Bart's going to be or if he's even going to be the starter. So on paper, I don't know that they're better defensively. Well, what does Casey Schmidt do? He plays a hell of a defensive third base, and he's their best hitter in spring training. And by the way, he's not 19. He, like I said, he went to San Diego State. He's 24. But he's got to go through the pecking order, and he's got to go to AAA, and maybe he can be up here next year. I, I just – you take the best 25. And I realize that I think he had, what, 44, 48 at-bats in spring training. So, okay, and they see him every day. I understand that. But here's what I know. Saw a hell of a backhanded play against uh, the Cubs. Saw a hell of a play, a barehander coming in from third base. He is your best defensive infielder right now. Yep, and that includes Brandon Crawford. Includes all of them. He's their best defensive player, period. What were you supposed to do in the offseason? Get more athletic and get better defensively. That's what he is. But he's not going to be on the team? Okay. Like, I understand the politics of it, and the clock's going to start ticking and all those kind of things. I'm just saying, you want to win baseball games? Casey Schmidt is one of your best players. And not because I'm selfish and have a bunch of his cards. I'm just like, if a guy can have that kind of a spring training and play that well defensively, and David Villar is 2 of 16, and he's been hurt most of the time. Okay, he was the PCL MVP. We've seen tons of guys be the PCL MVP because you're hitting in parks like Reno and Albuquerque and Salt Lake City and everything else. It's nothing against David Villar. In fact, he's one of my favorite interviews of all time. He's one of the smartest baseball guys I've ever talked to. I like David Villar. 
But guys get beat out all the time. He was hurt the majority of spring training. I'm just saying, Casey Schmidt's one of your best 25. Brandon Crawford's got a tricky knee right now. It, I don't know if he can play much short. Uh, Susan Susser said today that Casey Schmidt's going to play a ton of short in AAA. And it may be that he's their future shortstop, at least for the time being. Anyway, it's it's not so much Casey Schmidt to me. It's just that every team in every sport got to be ready. He's got to be ready. Can't play James Wiseman even five minutes. Can't make, play Casey Schmidt. He's not cooked enough. Got to put him back in the oven. Like, it used to be you just threw guys in. You threw him in the deep end and said, this dude's either going to swim or he's not. Oh, it's mentality. He might, oh, I don't want to ruin him. Oh, he's going to get nervous. We're going to ruin him mentally. Throw him in. Like, Casey Schmidt seems to me like one of those guys that you can throw in. You know, at some point, Kyle Harrison's going to be one of those guys you can throw in. They're just not going to lose confidence. Draymond Green was always confident. You know, just as a rookie, as anything. Some guys, you can just see it in them. I don't know Casey Schmidt a lot, but I heard Bill Lasky's interview with him over the weekend on KMBR. We're trying to get him on our show before spring training breaks this week. You know, I don't know if he's that kind of guy. I, I have no idea. But he sure seems like it to me. And I hate to be get-off-my-lawn guy. I'm just saying. I think he's one of the best 25 in the Giants. So if you could, we can chew on any of those things, anything I missed, wild card stuff, hey, you didn't bring up this, go for it. And we can talk about the Warriors. They won tonight, and I'm not going to shortchange a, a win on the road. A win on the road's a win on the road. Houston stinks. Houston's going for Victor Wambayama and the number one pick. And obviously, Detroit, Houston, and San Antonio are going to have that same a percentage to get that guy. So it doesn't matter who's the worst of the worst, but they're just making sure they don't fall out of that top three, which they will not. So look, with Dallas losing and the Warriors winning, that's a good thing. And now there's nine games left. And the goal right now for the Warriors is quite simple. Stay out of the play in game one. And two, to me, Phoenix is going to get Kevin Durant back. I wouldn't want to be, and they're not going to get in the four. The top three are out. The top four are out. So you don't want to be in the – we really don't want to be in the five spot. I think the Suns are stuck in the four. One is going to be Denver. Two threes either going to be Sacramento or Memphis. Four is going to be the Suns. And being at five isn't the optimum place to be for the Warriors. Being six and playing a 6-3 matchup, and I know maybe it's not to the point where you're, you're probably as a fan going, I just want them to make the playoffs. I get it. I'm simply saying if there's a matchup, 6-3 is the matchup you want because 6-3, three, three is either going to be Memphis or Sacramento. And for my Sacramento Kings fans, much respect. But they haven't been in the playoffs for a long time, and we all know that's a different game. I'd rather see Memphis in the first round. From a media standpoint, are you kidding me? That's the biggest rivalry in the NBA right now. Like it or not. All right, so any of those things we can talk about or anything you want to throw against the wall as well. Uh, let's start, Jeffrey. Uh, any chance we could see Casey Schmidt play in Sacramento for the Rivercats? Absolutely. I think that's what's going to happen. I mean, Susan told me today, I asked her point blank, Susan Susser of the uh, the Chronicle, and she comes on with us on KMBR with Greg and I every uh, Monday now throughout the season. And he just point blank asked her. I mean, Casey Schmidt's the best hitter on this team in the spring. Uh, he's near. He's hitting 441 with like a 1,300-plus OPS. Uh, rocketed a double oppo taco yesterday. Made a one-handed play coming in. I mean, I, I don't know what else the guy has to do. He's 24 years old. It's not like he's 18. And... um she said that we'll see him definitely next year, and we'll see him at some point maybe this year. And I'm thinking, from what I've watched and looking at the left side of the infield, and I hope David VR look, I hope David VR lives up to everything. I hope Brandon Crawford has a healthy final year as a Giant. But Casey, you, you're supposed to, and you know how we hear coaches and managers and everything all the time, competition, competition, competition. Well, I understand it's only spring training, and they see a lot more behind the scenes than I do. But in front of the cameras, 
He's a 441 spring training hitter, and he's been the best defensive player. And I haven't seen all, but I, I'm a dork, and I watch all the MLB games in spring training. I haven't seen a better defensive player in watching spring training than what Casey Schmidt has been, period. And your number one charge in the offseason was to get better defensively, and you really didn't. I mean, you're the same team you were. And here's a guy making ridiculous plays. Yeah, he needs another year in AAA. Okay. But, yeah, he's going to go to Sacramento. That's what Susan told us today. Uh, Kyrie seen in a walking boot after the game tonight. Let's get that W Wednesday. Hi, Salty. Good to see you. Uh, Yeah, I did see that. And that would mean, though, here's what I'm saying. And, look, I'm not advocating losing any games. They'll lose enough on their own. It's going to be tough Wednesday because Luca's out, too. Um, That's – we say this all the time, but I think we can safely say this now. When you get to nine games left in the season – it's a big game, even if it's, a, if it's a regular season game. So they're taking the game out tomorrow night. Obviously, there's no game tomorrow night. And then Wednesday in Dallas is a massive game, just a massive game in the standings. That can determine where they're going to go. That can determine – I mean, here's how crazy it is in the Western Conference, and you know this. There's a bunch of teams at 35, 36, and 37 losses near the bottom. And legitimately, I'm not saying this for sensationalistic purposes, the Warriors could be as high as five. One, two, three, and four are gone. One, two, three for sure, four probably. So – The best they can do is five. They could be five. They could be out. I mean, that's what it is. They've got four games. They've got nine games remaining, four on the road, five at home. And I'm going to do this off the top of my head, but Dallas is on the road. That is a winnable game now, as as you just talked about. There's some injuries with Dallas, Luka, and Kyrie. Portland is the last road game of the season, and they're going to shut down uh, Dame, if they haven't already, the one before that is Sacramento. They're going to want to take you out, Sacramento, no question about it. So you've got, you've, and then at home, you're you should be able to win the games at home. Philadelphia is by far the toughest game to win at home. Minnesota is a winnable game. There's a bunch of winnable games. So, I mean, I, I I put this on the board the other day when we were talking all about this, and I think I still have it. Let me see if I can pop it back up here. I'll do it in just a second. But the bottom line to the whole thing is they could be as high as five. They could be as low as out of the playoffs. With nine games remaining, that's what the Warriors are. And I projected it out to be about 42 and 40. Bonnie Poole told us today on our show on KNBR, if they win 43, they're probably going to be the the five seed. But that gets you de- the Suns in the first round. And Durant, at this point, the Suns are kind of locked into that spot. I mean, Dallas, the Clippers could catch them, but I looked at the Suns' schedule. Even without Durant, they're probably going to be in the four spot. I just don't want to see the Suns in the first round. I'd rather see Sacramento. I'd rather see Memphis. I want Memphis. I mean, can you imagine what that's going to look like? Crazy. Uh, let's see what else. Yachty. Good to see you, Yachty. Uh, they, uh, they were to get younger, want to get better defensively right now. They're old with the same defensive players they had last year. I'm all for Schmidt. Give us something to root for. Yachty, that's really the key, too. The Giants even more than you know, are concentrated on the, mar- on the marketing side of things. And I've said this before on the podcast, and it's no offense to the players that they have. They did a hell of a job through a number of years keeping the players that we all knew, and it was comfortable, right? It was comfortable going to the ball game. It was comfortable doing you know, all this stuff. When I went to FanFest, and we got lucky on the stage because we had Jock Peterson and we had Logan Webb, and we had David VR, who I like a lot, and we had a chance. When, when we do these things, we have a chance to sit down and talk with him face-to-face for an hour. Then during the breaks, we talked to him a little bit more. And and then I had we had Jock again in another side stage. And so, you, you know, you get a couple hours with these guys and you get an opportunity to talk to them. But we've talked to you know, Logan Webb enough and everything. But then in walking around with the rest of these guys, there just isn't enough names. And 
it's it, the fans have become so comfortable with these guys that you got to get. I mean, that's why they went for Correa. That's why they went for Judge. It's why that logically, maybe there was other guys they should have went for. They, I've said this many times in the podcast. They were never going to get Judge. I know that for a fact. They were never going to get him. And if I know that, they knew that, and they just took a wild swing in the dark. And it was for the baseball player, sure, but it was for the star player, I think, mostly. Because they felt to themselves, we've got to get somebody to put butts in the seats because it's starting to slip. And so a guy like Casey Schmidt, while, that we don't, while not everybody knows who he is now, you know, obviously hardcore Giants fans do, but that's a guy that's exciting. That's a guy that's showing some power. That's a guy that's showing a hell, you know, the ability to play a hell of a third base. Now, they may actually, and I was, we were talking to Susan about this today, Schmidt's ticket to the major leagues uh, sooner rather than later might be shortstop. And from what I understand, he's not, and I've watched him, I'm just telling you from uh, talking to people, he's not quite the defender at shortstop that he is at third. I mean, he's elite right now at third, right now. He's a far above average defensive player at third base. He's pretty good at shortstop. Now, is pretty good better than Brandon Crawford? Probably not, even at 36. But given that Crawford is off to kind of a bulky start, and some people think, oh, well, they're just going to move Tyro Estrada. But now you're moving your infield around. And that's the other issue I have with it. Look, Casey Schmidt's right there. Oh, watch it. We got to use these kid gloves. Don't want to move them too fast. I mean, that's this is not just a Giants issue. This is a, just a, a sports issue. Everybody's so worried about these guys. Put them in, man. That's what you did back. At, you just threw guys in. Let's go. See if you can sink or swim. And if you can't, we'll put you back. But mentally, this is big boy ball. This isn't Little League. This isn't everybody gets a trophy. This is you can either play or you can't. Can you play? And if it's that, I, then I have an issue with it. If they're playing the game of, you know, arbitration years and I'm like come on man you're a big time major league team worry about that when it comes see if the guy can play he's earned it to me but I don't know could be wrong uh what else uh jazz win 128 120 take that king sax has no idea what weights him in the playoffs you know I don't know man I, I you know I I want to be totally respectful to the kings but they have one of the worst defenses in the league, and usually that doesn't take you very far in the playoffs, but they have a great uh, they have a great offense, obviously, and then they just don't have a ton of playoff experience. So, look, I can't wait for the playoffs. I'll be honest with you, because all season long, I get this feeling that the, the Warriors are like, we, we can do this in the playoffs. We can flip this switch. This would be the ultimate switch to flip, because the, the second Rockets championship in 1995, they won from a sixth seed. And then the Boston Celtics, I believe it was a four seed in 1969, won an NBA championship. Outside of those two teams over the last 50 years, so what we know, the heck is that? What we know, yeah, that's my wife. Uh, What we know of the current state of the way that things are going on as far as the NBA, those are the only two teams in NBA history who have won a championship outside of the top three seeds. That's it. Boston in 1969, the four seed. And the Rockets, Rudy Tomjanovich and company, the, the second of their championships with Jordan left the NBA in 1995. That, that's the only teams that have won it outside of a three. Now, the Warriors last year won it as a three seed. So now what, as far as the Warriors are concerned? Well, now you are going to win it from what? What's going to be the Warriors seed? I wonder. Sorry, let me pop this back up. There you go. Now you can see me again. Hope, did you lose me there for a minute? Sorry, I got this all screwed up. I don't know why I have my phone tied into, into my broadcast, but I just screwed that whole thing up. 
Uh, but I, I was I was talking about the uh, the Kings. You know, I I don't know what to expect from the Kings. Uh, I don't know what to expect from a wings or from a uh, from a Grizzlies Warriors uh, setup. That's going to be interesting. I don't know what to expect from the Suns because Durant hasn't even played a home game. So if they throw Kevin Durant in there, the Suns in the playoffs, how's that going to react? I mean, as bunched as the West has been in the regular season, outside of Denver being at the top for basically the entire season. Is there anything, would it, would it absolutely shock you if the Warriors, I mean, if, if we think about this. Now, the Suns, and I said this right when they made the Durant trade. The Suns scare me with Durant, there's no doubt. But Denver, could they beat Denver? Could they steal one in Denver and then keep home court advantage, the Warriors? Yeah, they could. Could they do that against the Grizzlies? Absolutely. Could they do that against the Kings? Yes. So they could do it against, I think, could they do it against the Clippers? Yes. So as, as poorly as they've played on the road, and, and honestly, the thing that there's the two things that have plagued them the most, and you know this, but I'll talk about it again. The things that have plug, uh, plagued them the most, as far as the Warriors go, defending the three point line on the road and closing out games on the road. And the analytics say that as far as like the proximity of the shooters on the at home versus on the road is very similar, but they're they're just making the shots. You know, teams are making the shots on the road. Is that going to change? Is, is GP2 going to make that change? It, it, do we know if Andrew Wiggins is coming back? This is the most uncertain by a mile that we've been going into the playoffs during this era. We just don't know. But I'm not going to say they can't do it because they have the history of doing it. And it's nothing, and I've said this a million times on this podcast and on the YouTube channel, it's, it's nothing that they've consistently done all season long. It's just how can you say they can't? I mean, you could. You can have that opinion, there's no question, because there's a ton of documentation backing you up, a ton of tape backing you up this year, but then you go back to, well, they've done it in past years. But that's a hell of a flip, to, uh, switch to flip. And I'm not sure they can do it, but I'm not counting them out. Hope that makes sense. Sorry, I couldn't, you couldn't see me for a minute. Hey, MF, good to see you, man. Uh, Farhan doesn't have the scouting background to turn the franchise around. Um, I don't know that he has to. I mean, he's the, the head of operations, so I'll give you the 49ers and John Lynch. He doesn't have the, the scouting background, but Adam Peters and a bunch of people in the front office of the 49ers do. Um, I don't know that Bob Myers has the scouting background, quote-unquote. He was an agent, but I think there's enough uh, people in the front office of the Warriors that do. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a collaborative effort. Um, Farhan looks at computers. Farhan looks at numbers. They have, a, they have an organizational philosophy. So, look, I don't know. If he does or not, but here I, I'm just I'm saying in a broad way, and I'm bringing up Casey Schmidt as the example. It's just it's the way sports is right now, and it's really frustrating that unless you are an incredibly special person, and I'm, I'm talking about the makeup of that person along with the talent, they just won't bring you up early. They just they don't want. And number one is they don't want the clock ticking on arbitration, which I think is unfortunate. They need to change that. But the second part of it is they. They are so – we talk so much about the mental side of the game, and I understand that. And I've, I've seen guys get ruined mentally because they weren't ready. I mean, look, I've said this a lot on the podcast as well. They just – they didn't – the Warriors are great, and they've done a lot of great things. But they didn't know how to develop James Wiseman. And now he's going to the Pistons. Go watch a little bit of a Pistons game sometime. And go back on YouTube and watch a James Wiseman game in the, uh, with the Warriors. Okay, don't, because I'll tell you exactly what happens. James Wiseman on the Warriors was constantly looking at the sidelines. James Wiseman on the Warriors was, was constantly putting his head, his head down like that. Because at any moment he knew if he screwed up, he was going to come out of the game. I refuse to believe that James Wiseman 
could not help this team for 10 to 12 minutes a night. I just refuse it. I know that he had a bunch of injuries. I, they just had to give him the confidence. I know I'm making it sound overly simplistic, but if you watch him on the Pistons, conversely, he's having fun, he's laughing, he's smiling. It's because, and now look, maybe the, the Warriors could have never done this, but essentially the Pistons have said, dude, we don't care. We, we're not going anywhere. Just go out there and play. And he's playing relaxed, and he's having fun, and he's learning, and yeah, they're losing a bunch of games, so it doesn't matter. So could he have done that on the Warriors? Maybe not. But maybe they, t- they put him in Santa Cruz for the entire season and just say, go kick ass down there and just dominate things. There had to be something. They're professionals. And they're going to regret the trade. And I think it's the same kind of a, a mentality that has happened throughout professional sports. I'm not picking on the Warriors. I'm not picking on the Giants. But what I am saying is that only the bad teams, right, only the Chicago Bears who play Justin Fields or the Detroit Pistons who play James Wiseman, are, you know, like it's so difficult to try to do both. And I think there is the ability to do both. Like the Giants this year are going to try to win, but you've got to try to incorporate young players at the same time. The St. Louis Cardinals do that at a really high rate. They put in young players. They let them play, but they're not going to screw it up. I mean, it's just at some point you got to do that. And it was kind of disheartening to me. I bring back Casey Schmidt again. It's disheartening to me to hear Susan say, and look, she's in the know more than I am, to say, oh, this guy will be up next year or maybe the end of the year. It's like, tell else does he got to do? He's 24 years old. He played at San Diego State. He's rocketing through the system. He's the best defensive player they have at any position in the organization. Their number one problem last year was defense. I don't know. Maybe it's me. Uh, C. Trey Lance, Jordan, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Uh, I'm praying for a Warriors-Kings matchup. Jeffrey, I agree with you, man. Uh, Warriors-Kings would be amazing. It would just, it would be a lot of fun. And I've gotten a lot of grief on social media with direct messages and everything that I'm disrespecting the Kings, and I'm not. I just know that there's a process to this whole thing. And I think it's great what the Kings are doing. And I'm a big Mike Brown fan. And by the way, that's one thing that's not being talked about enough. Mike Brown's a hell of a coach. And he's been dealt some bad hands, and he goes up to, the, up to uh, Sacramento, and all of a sudden the Kings are playing pretty good basketball. I don't know. Do you think coaches are overrated and underrated? I think Mike Brown's got to be a part of why they're doing what they're doing. I mean, look, they've, they've got talent, but they've always kind of had a, some talent, right? And Mike Brown, I think, is doing a pretty good job up there. And conversely, the Warriors are struggling. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying all of it's Mike Brown, but it's too coincidental that the Kings are playing well and the Warriors are kind of eh. Uh, MF Schmidt not being uh, up makes me sick. I mean, we'll see. I mean, if he goes down to Sacramento and he doesn't play well, then then I'll come on here and I say I stand corrected. But what I'm what I what frustrates me is, like I said, I think it's twofold. I think it's they don't want the clock running, and they think that mentally that you know you, he's got to go through the steps, right? You got to go through. You got to go single A, double A, triple A. No, you don't. You just don't. I mean, if you're great, and here's the thing, too, and I will give them this out. They're behind the scenes. They see it. Maybe Casey Schmidt behind the scenes isn't doing as great, but then in the games, he just shines. I mean, I don't know. But I just know that I've watched him in the numer- in the times I've watched him this year, he's been great. And then in hearing his interview with Bill Lasky, he's mentally got it. He's the- If he comes up to-, to the majors and strikes out 10 times, it's not going to affect him. If he throws a, a-, a ball wide, of first base in his first game with the Giants, it's not going to affect him. I mean, he's just he's got it. And so maybe he needs the the seasoning. What I've seen, he doesn't. But, hey, I think he's the, he is the best player, defensive player in the organization, and they need defense. 
And I don't think David Villar's done enough to, to lock down the third base job, not by a mile. Uh, let's see what else we got. By the way, thanks for coming out. I appreciate it. Uh, hey, Sam, what's going on? Uh, I have to admit I wasn't into the WBC at the beginning, but now I'm all in. Been very exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, and again, I want to reiterate what I said at the at the start of the of the live chat. And thanks for joining us, John Lund. Unleashed various sports talk in the YouTube channel or wherever you get your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify. Please make sure that you subscribe. Tell all your friends. Very much appreciated. And again, I'm not trying to shove the the WBC down everybody anybody's throat. It, it's is just one of my thoughts is that if you liked it, you liked it. If you don't, you don't. I've heard both sides of it. Um, people get all upset when you get ex- like today. I was excited and I was looking on the text line and KBR haven't watched a minute of it. That's cool. That's fine. It's like a movie. It's like something to eat. It's like to each their own. That's fine. I'm just saying that, and and, I, and I'm in agreement with you, uh, Sam. I'm in agreement with you because at the beginning of it, I'm like, well, I'll just watch it and see. And then in Arizona, when Team Mexico beat Team USA and they're going crazy, and I was watching all the games from Miami with all the Latin teams playing each other from the Dominican to Cuba to Puerto Rico and all these different teams, and you could see how much it meant to the fans. And I just like think this is really cool. And we don't get into it as Americans other than the Olympics, international. I don't know why we don't. We just don't. We are born and bred to want to win the World Series or the Masters or all these things, not Ryder Cups and international competitions. But when it comes to baseball, think about this. You don't have this in football. I mean, the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl. Nobody plays football at the level that we play it in our country. Uh, soccer, we don't play it at the level that the rest of the world plays it. So there's no real international competition that, at least in the near future, that we're going to be any good in. So you can't do this in football. They have a World Cup in soccer, but we're not good at it. So we're never really... I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're a soccer fan, I, again, I respect that. It's great. It's cool. I'm not saying that the World Cup isn't great. It is. It's great. Uh, it's for the rest of the world. We're just not very good at it. Um, basketball, we generally dominate. But I don't know. Is I mean, basketball in the Olympics, and you go back to 72, and you go to the Dream Team, and it's exciting. It's cool. I mean, I, I, I don't mind it. It's not that it's not great. I have pride in it. I mean, the 92 teams, the greatest basketball team ever assembled. That, that's really cool. But this is a true World Series. We call it a World Series, but we're only doing it with American teams, and it's it's fun. I don't I don't know the Japanese players as well. It'll be interesting to watch that. The Cuban players, the Puerto Rican players. I mean, it was just really cool to watch everybody come together, and you see how much pride everybody has in their country. And then we're kind of the the evil one, right? Like everybody wants to beat the U.S., so everybody's in it a little bit more. We're in our home country. We're in Florida. We're in Miami, but it looked like we were the road team in a couple of those games there. So it's just, it's just fun. It's entertaining. And I look at it and I do this all the time. It's kind of a base philosophy of mine. I just look at all this stuff as entertainment and it either entertains me or it doesn't. I mean, it's pretty simplistic to me. It doesn't, you know, the WBC is what it is. It doesn't have to be a long-term thing. I don't need to comp it to the world series, but I would say this, and I would ask you if you've been watching it, it's had that atmosphere. And the thing that is amazing to me about the, all these major league players who have been in spring training, no matter what country they play for, and I'll use Trey Turner as a perfect example, who after the game yesterday, so he's hit three home runs in the last two games, and obviously he hit the grand slam to win the game on Saturday night. And he was saying after the game that he hadn't, hadn't hit a spring training home run in forever because these guys are just conditioned to, they know exactly what to do, just like in your job. Right? You know how to get ready. You know how, you, how to get prepared. You know at, at certain times where you have to kind of amp everything up. And, you know, it's like, okay, there's, there's a process to this by the you know, end of spring training. I'm ready to go. 
and all of a sudden it's like, hey, by the way, like the second week of spring training or whatever it was, two and a half weeks into spring training, you got to be ready to play like in the seventh game of the World Series. Good luck with that. And John Smoltz was saying, yeah, you know, they can get ready a little bit earlier. No, they can't. Like their body is what it is. So they can't just ramp up from spring training to game seven, but that's what they, that's what Trey Turner has done. That's what Mike Trout has done. That's what Mookie Betts has done. I mean, Goldschmidt has had a great series. I mean, it's just been really fun to watch. And it, like I said, to me, it's just all pure entertainment. I throw it into a box. I throw it into a, and it's just, it's either entertaining or it's not. And the WBC has, at least to me, exceeded all expectations. So give me your thoughts on it. It's just, it's entertaining. I obviously hope the USA wins tomorrow. If somebody else doesn't like to watch it, that's fine. I've heard a lot of people say they don't. I think it's been great. Uh, let me go back up to the top because I missed this one. I said I would get back to it. Sons of Johnny Lamaster, one of my good uh, good pals, and I appreciate you jumping in. Uh, if you're still with us, gold coming back to the 49ers. Uh, as I continue to watch all these kickers, I'm not sure who would take, who would want Robbie Gold at this point. Um, we are in, we are certainly into the what second or third phase of free agency and. The thing with Robbie Gold is his range is about 53 yards. It's no longer than that. So if you're a cold-weather team, do you want Robbie Gold? Because in perfect conditions, which a lot of times Santa Clara provides or, a, or an indoor stadium certainly provides or a warmer-weather city certainly provides. So it's got to be one of those places. It's not going to be a Buffalo. I don't think he's going to go back to Chicago, Pittsburgh, any of those places I just don't think work because he's 40 years old and he probably doesn't want to deal with the element. So that's one. Two, Robbie Gold is probably a kicker for a winning organization. I mean, at 40, Robbie Gold probably doesn't want to go back for a team that's not going to win very many games. And again, to go back to the limited range that Robbie has, what you're looking for is in a big game, because this is Robbie Gold's uh, selling point, he's never missed an extra point or field goal in the playoffs. So what you want is you're in a tight game, and Robbie Gold, you can get it, you know, you can get it in range of 50 yards or 48 yards or whatever to win the game. Robbie Gold's going to hit that kick. So he's kind of like, you know, I, I talk about this all the time. Like, you don't really need a closer if you're a really bad team. Closers are for good teams. So if you're a bad team, if you're the Detroit Tigers and you got an elite closer, you might as well trade him for four or five prospects because what do you need him for? I mean, yeah, okay, you can, you're going to win 62 games. But you might as well just trade him and get four or five prospects. Robbie Gold is that kind of a guy. He's the guy who's going to win you a game. He's a closer. So he's got to be a win, on a winning team at the age of 40. He's, he's got to be kicking in good weather or a dome. So – my point is, is there's a limited um, limited teams that would be in on Robbie Gold. And for me, if I'm the 49ers, he's important. But we know this, they're up against it as far as the cap is concerned, and Robbie Gold probably wants $5 million. Now, the other side that tells me that Rob, it's, it's a fair bet that Robbie Gold's going to return to the 49ers is because through this, there's been a lot of kickers that have signed. Matt Gay of the Rams, I think, is really good. There's been a number of kickers who have signed, and the 49ers haven't signed a kicker. So I think what happened is, and I know Robbie a little bit, he's probably got the biggest ego of any kicker that you could ever meet. We had him on, we've had him on for a couple of spring training, or spring trainings, training camps in a row. And when John Lynch said they were looking at kickers at the combine, that was a message to Robbie Gold. And Robbie Gold said, okay, I'm not kicking for the 49ers anymore. That was his ego. And now somewhere I think they're going to meet in the middle. Now Robbie Gold wants a contract that starts with a five, as in five-plus million dollars. And I think the 49ers would like to have a contract that starts with like a high three, and therein lies the problem. Could they find some middle ground at four and a half? To be honest, I expect them to. 
because I'll give you a name, and you probably you may or may not know it, depending on if you follow college football. Jake Moody's a really good kicker at Michigan, for example. He's the top kicker in the draft. Well, next year, when you're lining up and you're a 49ers fan, and it can either go to the, you can either go to the Super Bowl or not. Would you spend that money on Robbie Gold? Okay, it's a 48 yarder. Would you spend that money on Robbie Gold? Or would you rather have a rookie named Jake Moody out of Michigan kicking it? I think that's worth $4 million. <laughs> Give me your thoughts. I think he's coming back. But it's just there's a, an ego game to be played. I know Robbie a little bit, and he's not going to budge off his number, and the 49ers probably want to keep it at a certain number for themselves. But I think that it's worth it. I think it's worth it that they, that they spend the extra money. Uh, MF says, I saw the Dominican versus the USA in 2017 in San Diego. It was electric. I am extremely jealous. Uh, my son saw Mexico versus uh, USA in the 11-5 game, even though they lost and got smashed and he had the flag and everything. He said it was a great time. He said all the fans from Mexico were having a great time with him. They were, having, they, they were partying and having a great time, and he said it was awesome. And my son is a massive baseball fan, and we've been going to games since he was a kid, and he said it was awesome. So, yeah, and plus uh, – I love uh, Petco. It's awesome. So that's very cool. Uh, let's see. Schmidt and I mean, makes me sick. I mean, MF makes a great point, too. He's 24. Juan Soto's 24. Yeah, I mean, all I'm saying is, is that you have to look at the makeup of the person. And I personally don't know Casey Schmidt. Like I said, we're trying to get him on our KNBR show. But I texted with Bill Lasky and said, hey, man, I heard your interview with, with Casey Schmidt. And Bill played the game, as you well know. And I said, does he have the it? And he just said, Absolutely. So again, I'll say this. I'll say this. What I said a few minutes ago. I think he could go 0 for 10 and be fine. I think he could throw one into the right field seats from third base, and I think he's going to be fine. I mean, I think he has the it. And for an organization, before you bring somebody up, maybe before they're completely ready, you have to do that. But I keep going back to the fact that he's the best defensive player in the organization. He's already 24 years old. He showed it in spring training. He's got power. He's the best. Not only, I was, he's the best defender. Period. And their number one charge in this offseason was to get better defensively. And if you can tell me unequivocally where they, where they have, I'm all ears. At catcher, they have it. At third, they have it. At short, Crawford's another year older. Tyro Estrada's the same at second. They're not better. As, as You can say whatever you want about Brandon Belt. Lamont Wade Jr. is not a better defender than him. In right field, they're not better because Mike Yastrzemski was an elite right fielder. Yaz is in center. He's better in right. And I don't know what Mitch Hanniger or Michael Conforto are going to do in the outfield. They're better than Jock Peterson. I'll give you that. Okay, they're going to be better in left field because Jock Peterson is going to be mainly a DH. I'll give you that one. I don't know who they're going to put in left, but they're going to be better than Jock Peterson. So there you go. They're not better in center. They're not better in right. They're not better at first. They're not better at second. They're not better at short. They're not better at third. They're not better behind the plate, but they are better in left. I'll give you that. So I don't know how much better that makes them. And maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. So anyway. There's a thought. Uh, 49ers will regret trading Lance, too. That from Jorn. We were talking about James Wiseman. Um, I don't know that they're going to trade Trey Lance. We'll see. My hope, as far as the quarterback situation with the 49ers, is that Trey Lance emerges. I don't know. That Maybe I'm the only one in the media who hopes that. But I'd like to see it. I'd like to see him make some sort of a Jalen Hurts jump because I would really like to see a Kyle Shanahan offense with a quarterback who can do both, who can run it, who can throw it, who's an athlete. And I don't know that Trey is going to be that guy. I will give them this. The difference between, say, a Wiseman, and we're talking about Casey Schmidt in this situation, is that 
Trey Lance hasn't shown it in practice. I can tell you that. Uh, Trey Lance hasn't shown it much in games. Uh, he's got a long way to go, and I think that the 49ers, when they moved up and took him third in 2019, I thought I think they thought he was further along. But the thing that has hurt him is the injuries. But I hope this uh, he's got the entire offseason to try to prove uh, try to prove it to them. Now, I don't know if OTA is if not playing, but just doing OTAs and being the leader in camp, and and he's probably going to take all the receivers down to I don't know San Diego or somewhere and throw with them. You know, and they could have the reports back. Hey, man, Trey's looking really good. Trey's looking really good. I don't know if that's enough. Having it, okay, Trey, ha- let's just assume for a second. Trey has this amazing offseason, right? And everybody's buzzing about Trey. And then Trey plays well in the preseason games. And then Trey Lance had, or excuse me, uh, Purdy, Brock Purdy had his surgery on March 10th. So let's just say six months is the day. That's, that's September 10th. That's the first Sunday of the season. He's not going to play. And let's say Trey Lance, so up to that point, Trey Lance has done everything right. It's going to take him, if he, if he were to win the job, it would take him, I don't know, Brock's going to be out, I think, at least the first two weeks. And let's say Trey Lance plays lights out, the 49ers are 2-0. and Not going to take him out. I wouldn't think. So, I mean, that's the scenario in which Trey Lance starts. Um, I know that Greg is a lot higher on Sam Darnold than me. I'm just not a Sam Darnold guy. I liked him coming out of USC. I think he's an insurance policy because the 49ers got scared as hell in Philadelphia and said we're never going to get caught short like that again and paid for Sam Darnold, and they're going to work with Sam Darnold, and it's somebody that Kyle Shanahan has always liked, and maybe they can turn him into something. But I don't expect him to be a competitor for the number two job, let alone the number one job. So that's what I think of the the, uh, the quarterback situation. Uh, <laughs> Salty, what's going on? Uh, good question. Uh, you mentioned on your show you played a high-stakes college uh, hoops bracket contest. How much is it? I'll tell you. I got no issue with it. So – just to give you a background on this whole thing, a bunch of guys and I have been doing this for years. Guys from a fraternity, guys from college, guys from high school. So it's a mix of guys. There's about uh, 12 of us in it. We each throw in 500 bucks, and um, so I think this year that the the total number in the in the pot is 6,000 bucks. It's 5,000 bucks for the winner, and it's a thousand bucks for second place, and nobody else gets a dime. And then we have this, you know, and everybody talks trash. Uh, I have three of my four teams remaining. Uh, no thanks to you, Arizona. So I have three of my four teams remaining, and I still could win. I still could win. That's how topsy-turvy this whole thing has been uh, in this deal. I think I have UCLA. Yeah, I have UCLA winning it. I think I have Houston in the Final Four. I have one wild card in the Final Four just because you, you, you can't go crazy in a 12-team. Or like if you're doing an ESPN bracket and there are millions of people, just do a bunch of upsets because if it turns out that this is nutty bracket, then, then you could win money. In a 12-person bracket, you can't go that crazy. you got to be a little bit conservative. So I do have one silly one in there. I can't remember which one it is, but I do have UCLA win it, and I have three of my four left. So I can still win it, though. Oh, believe me. Believe me, Salty. It's too rich for my blood, too. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jeffrey says, Brock about to shock the world when he starts week one. Hey, he might. I, I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, the only And I'm not anti-Brock. I'm not saying this at all. I'm not anti-Brock. I just... I. Fair should have nothing to do with it, but I just would like to see Trey get a chance, and I'd like to see Trey in those first two games of the season and just see. Because you know the thing that drives me crazy about Trey Lance, and it probably drives you crazy as well, and I've watched a lot of his practices. He's not an accurate thrower. Um, he, had, he had a lot further uh, a lot further to go than I think what the 49ers thought, but I would just like to see once and for all. So in other words, we know with a lot of guys, you know, they get a chance to play, and we know, okay, that guy can't play. I don't know if if 
Trey Lance can play. We're starting to see with the Pistons, with James Wiseman, and I, look, it's different playing on the Warriors than playing on the Pistons. Given what, what his mental state was on the Warriors, I don't think he would have ever, ever developed here, and now he's given all this freedom on the, on the Pistons, and he's playing really, really well. But I, I think I know James, James Wiseman complained this league. Now, I don't know if he's going to be Joel Embiid or if he's going to be just a middle-of-the-road Clint Capella. I don't know. But he, he can play in this league. There's no question about it. James Wiseman can play. We can make that assessment. I don't know. You know, we're starting to see a little bit on, on Jonathan Kaminga. We're talking about Casey Schmidt tonight. You know, we all want – we just want to see. You know, remember when Joey Bart first came up? We're like, oh, okay, I don't think Joey Bart can play. It's a small sample size, but I'm not – I don't think – I don't know that Joey Bart can be anything but – High sin, maybe Mike Zanino, right, where he could hit 30 homers, but he's hitting 200. Decent, you know, pretty pretty decent backstop. Maybe that's his upside now. Maybe even it's not that. Maybe it's not even that. But I don't know what Trey Lance is. And it's frustrating. So, I, I like Brock Purdy. I'm not down on him at all. But wouldn't you like to see Trey for just the first couple of games? Like, he didn't even get through the second game this year. It was, it was the Bears, and it was crummy weather. So, I'm not excusing him for that, but he didn't play well. But the weather wasn't great. And then he gets hurt against Seattle. So we still don't know what he is. So wouldn't it be great if Trey Lance could get two good game, two good weather games at least, and we could say, all right, he can or he can't. Because can we, can we sit here as we sit here right now, you and I hanging out on the chat, can we say that he can play or he can't? I can't. Maybe you can, but I can't. I don't know. Uh, what's going on, Paul? Uh <laughs> Uh, let's see. Nobody has any answers for the QBs. I think that's I think that's pretty well uh, documented. Uh, Jordan says uh, Trey has also flashed as well as the inaccuracy ups and downs. Let's see if he can be consistent. And that's what I'm saying is that I've seen that in practice. Everybody has seen that in practice. It's the reason why. And everybody got all mad last year when he got hurt. And everybody said, why is Kyle running him this much? Because it's Kyle's job to win games. And he watched Trey Lance in practice and said, that's not the avenue that we can win games. I mean, we're watching the Bears. They've made the decision by trading down to nine that Justin Fields is their quarterback of the future. And he's played almost two full seasons now, or a season and a half, as the starter. And we don't know if he can throw. So what the Bears have to do is they have to run the football. Lamar Jackson, this many years in the league, one of the reasons why, and I, I don't think it's the main reason, but it's one of the reasons, he's not elite, an elite thrower of the football. He's a great runner. He's, he may be the best running quarterback, he and Michael Vick, that we've ever seen in the league. And that's how they're winning football games, for the most part. And for until Trey Lance could prove that he could throw the football, that was the game plan for Kyle Shanahan. And I don't know. I don't know what you think. I think Kyle Shanahan's one of the most, one of the best play callers, one of the most innovative offensive guys. And he watched Trey Lance for two training camps and went, best way he can and that we can win with Trey Lance right now doesn't mean that he couldn't have advanced into a passer. And that's why I'm saying I would like to see him play more is that he's, he's been an inconsistent thrower. They didn't have confidence in him throwing, and the game plan was, given how, how big he is and, and so forth and how they think he's a good runner, but he's not Lamar Jackson, he's not even Jalen Hurts, that the best way to, to devise a game plan to win was to have him run, and then he got hurt, and then everybody freaked out. Why is he running so much? Because for the time being, that's their best chance to win. Now, could he develop into a thrower? That's what I want to see. That's all. Uh, let's see, Paul, uh, I was upset because I was saying, uh, the week prior, Shannon was going to get him hurt. I also saw flashes of elite thrower, uh, multiple every game. I think people downplay it. Uh, he flashes and is raw. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand why you're, why you're upset. I mean, it's easy to do. You see your quarterback running and get hurt. And, you know, after that game, I was also saying that 
there's we talk about we talked about this uh, today in the, with the WBC. What you're trying to do, it's why guys don't play in preseason games in the NBA, why they don't play much in the NFL, why in spring training you take a guy out after a few innings, is you're trying to minimize the risk on your players. But the bottom line to the whole thing is whether it's Gavin Lux in spring training, whether it's Jose Altuve in the WBC, whether it's a preseason game and a guy blows a knee and everybody freaks out, whether it's Trey Lance running up the middle, you know, could you have said, and this is what I said after the injury, could you minimize it by not running in between the tackles consistently? You could, but in talking to Kyle Shanahan about it again, that was the way that he thought he could best win games, and it's sports, and guys get hurt. So I've kind of changed my opinion on that. I was kind of uh, earlier on in my in my lifetime saying, well, come on, you got to continue to minimize risk, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. But the more we've had quarterbacks that can run in this league, if that's what you do, that's a risk you're going to have to take, and Kyle Shannon did it when they took him. Excuse me, I had to sneeze. I bet that looked really good. Yeah, I had to sneeze real quick. I had to turn the mic off. Uh, Shannon does get uh, quarterbacks hurt at an elite rate. In fact, two and a half quarterbacks a year. I mean, yeah. Uh, look, he gets runners hurt, and the reason why he does is because the system that they play in is not a dance in the whole system. It's a put your foot in the ground and get north and south as, as quickly as possible. It's one of the reasons why when they made the Christian McCaffrey trade, a lot of people question it because, not because of Christian McCaffrey, but because he had been hurt before, and this is a system that you don't dance in. But I think what the 49ers realized with Christian McCaffrey is they would most li- they would like to just get him in space. So whether that's through the slot, whether that's through different ways they do things, Elijah Mitchell gets hurt a lot. He's a put-the-foot-in-the-ground, north-south kind of a guy. And he's going to get hurt, and that's just the way it's going to be, and it's why they always need multiple running backs on this team, and they go through them a lot. And when it comes to Trey Lance, that's what he's going to do, at least for the time being, until he shows he can throw the ball. Now, in terms of Kyle getting quarterbacks hurt, uh, the one exception I would find is, let's look at Jimmy Garoppolo, for example. Okay, got hurt a lot, right? Okay, Jimmy got hurt in Kansas City because he didn't go out of bounds. That's on Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy got hurt this year because there was an unblocked man and ultimately, those things are on the quarterback. But what he was trying to do, if you remember, is he was trying to stretch closer so that Robbie Gold had a better shot at a field goal, and he stretched himself out, and then he got hurt. I can't put that on Kyle. Uh, he got a thumb injury, hitting a helmet. Is that on Is that on Kyle? Uh, Brock Purdy got smoked off the edge. Is that on Kyle? Some people think it is because Tyler Croft missed that block, and that's a stupid way to do things. But if you watch other teams' offenses, that's a play that happens all the time. Guy missed a block. Is that on Kyle? Uh, Josh Johnson got smoked right in the head by Indomitian and Sue right through the middle. Is that on Kyle? Um, I don't think it is. But, you're, I mean, the point your point is is that guys have gotten hurt, and nobody got quarterbacks hurt at the level that the 49ers did. Personally, you can disagree with me 100%. Personally, I'm not going to put that on Kyle because they all got hurt in different ways. Uh, Jeffrey says, in terms of leadership qualities, Brock is miles ahead, which is why the locker room is solidly behind him. Absolutely true. Uh, talking to Brock at the Super Bowl, he's an impressive guy, and I'm, that's why I keep bringing up this stuff. A guy either has it or he doesn't. And when it comes to that kind of leadership, they like him. Now, I will say this. Guys like guys who can win. Guys like guys who they know can win. So the reason why I think guys like what you're referring to, Jeffrey, I think is George Kittle at the Super Bowl said it's Brock Purdy's job. A number of guys have come out and said, You know, it's Brock Purdy's job. And the reason why they say that is, and it's nothing against a guy like Trey Lance, he hasn't proven it. 
He played one game in Chicago. It was rainy weather. He didn't play well, got hurt in Seattle. Moving on. That's what they do. That's why they were squarely behind Jimmy Garoppolo forever. They know that Jimmy Garoppolo was was limited in a lot of ways, but what did he do? He won. And I know it was the defense and the running game, and it bothers me probably as much as it bothers you that when they talk, when people talk about the 49ers, and they say this about quarterbacks, he led them to a Super Bowl. Well, Tom Brady leads you to a Super Bowl, right? Um, Jimmy Garoppolo was a part of a Super Bowl team. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. Jimmy Garoppolo, though, won games, and so the locker room was behind Jimmy because when Jimmy started, they won. When Brock Purdy has started, they've won. When Trey Lance has started, they lost to Chicago. And so that's why a locker room gets behind a guy because I've talked to a million guys in every sport, and they may have differences with guys. They may have beef with guys. But Draymond Green knew that when Kevin Durant was on the Warriors, they would win. And many times they can put things aside. Now, can they do – this is where teams break up. Can they do it for years and years and years and years? Not normally. They can do it for some years. I mean, the A's in the 70s did it for some years. You know, I mean, everything doesn't have to be kumbaya because you go into a, a clubhouse, it's so diverse. You go into a, an NFL locker room, there's so many guys in there, it's so diverse. You don't have to love everybody, but they respect guys because they say that guy over there can help us win. That's how they gain respect. They don't have to be kumbaya. Not everybody has to love everybody. That's for sure. Uh, let's see. Yep, exactly right. Uh, Paul says, at the end of the day, everything is on Kyle, right? He's the end-all, be-all. Absolutely. Um, I don't think it's a full dictatorship. I mean, that's the one thing that I, I do like about the Bay Area teams and why I think they're successful. I think that at the end of the day, it's the, all the Giants brass is taking into consideration everything, but it falls on Farhan. I think that it, it, as far as the 49ers, John Lynch is involved and Adam Peters is involved. And there's a number of different voices. I mean, if you look at it like this, Look what Rand Carthon is doing in Tennessee. Did does the average fan did the average fan knew knew who Rand Carthon was with the 49ers in the front office? We didn't often talk about him. But what did he do when he went to Tennessee? He got Daniel Brunskill. He got Aziz Alshire. He got Arden Key, who went to Jacksonville for a year. Like he's looking for the same kind of players that that the that the 49ers had. And he obviously had input into what the 49ers were doing because and he knows those players. And so it's, it was, it's a collaborative effort with the 49ers, but your point is very well taken that from a public perception standpoint, yeah, it's going to fall on John Lynch to, a, to, a, to an extent, but there always has to be a, okay, when we're stuck on it, who's the guy who, who breaks all the ties? Kyle breaks all the ties. Farhan breaks all the ties. I don't know who breaks all the ties with the Warriors. Joe Lacob, Bob Myers. I mean, there's a number of different guys uh, in that room. Now, it depends on what the level is. If it's Joe breaks the, you know, at the top of the top and you're trying to, when you're re-signing or, or you're talking about a ton of different money, like I'll, I'll give you a great example or at least a pretty good example. Uh, if Kevin Durant, when he was with the Nets, was going to come back to the Warriors and they were going to trade all those young guys, that's not a Bob Myers decision. That's not a collaborative decision. That's, hey, let's call Joe and th- see what he says because there's going to be money involved and all those kind of things. So there's obviously decisions that have to be made by the guy at the top. So I guess if push comes to shove the words, it's Joe Lacob's money, and he would make that kind of a decision, right? But I think he would allow guys – Like I'll give you another good example. I don't think Joe Lacob wanted to trade James Wiseman, but there's, a, there's also this thing where you can't sit there constantly and nitpick the guys who get paid to make the decisions, who have made it their life's work to make those kind of decisions. Because if you're constantly doing that, then you become a George Steinbrenner type or a Jerry Jones type or those kind of guys where it's like – 
well, who the hell wants to work for you? Because you're not going to allow me to do my job. I mean, Mark Davis doesn't know a hell of a lot about football, but what he does is he's allowed guys. I think he coined the term, I know what I don't know. And so those kind of owners are kind of good sometimes because it's like, look, I don't know enough about this situation to, to make these, to make these decisions. So I'm just not, I'm not going to make the decision. Now he's become more prominent in terms of certain things now that they're in Vegas. And I know he makes the decisions at the ownership level in terms of guys who have certainly, because of the Fred Bolitnikov situation and his daughter, like a guy who is, who has ever been hit up on domestic violence issues or anything like that, accused of that. The Raiders don't sign him because Mark Davis is like, Nope. That's my line. Anyway, don't know why I went off on that tangent. Uh, <laughs> what else we got? Uh, they won a must-win versus the Texans. That's a good point. Late in the season, his rookie year, they did. Good point. Uh, is this Gurley's 23? Uh, sorry, my eyes are bad. Gurley's 23. Can the Niners make a potential trade for Zadarius Smith? Adding him uh, without the 49ers would uh, put the 49ers on another level. That's the guy I've been waiting for. I'm glad you brought him up and I had forgotten about it. I've been talking a lot about Yannick Ngakwe. I've been talking a lot about Robert Quinn. There's a number of different guys. Austin Hooper, I think, is uh, visiting the Raiders. I wouldn't mind him as a tight end, too, although Ross Dwelly did sign today, another one-year deal with the 49ers. So maybe and Charlie Warner uh, is already there. So maybe they're not going to make a move for a tight end, too, at least a veteran tight end, too. It's a deep draft for tight ends. Uh, so maybe they won't make that deal. But there are a number of guys out there. And we had heard that the Vikings were going to release Zadarius Smith, so much so that I believe Zadarius Smith on social media said his goodbyes. But maybe that's the guy they're waiting for because I'm kind of I'm, I'm not scouring the wire or anything, but I'm kind of waiting for a move to be done amongst those veteran guys. And maybe it's going to be a while for those guys now that we're kind of to the phase of free agency that we are. But I'm, I'm, that's the one move. It, there's two left for the 49ers, I think, that are major moves that I, I, think, I think they need a veteran there. One is right tackle. And I'm not saying they got to spend a lot of money there. It's just, is something going to shake free there? Like, I don't think Isaiah Wynn signed, for example, a lot of injuries. But if he's right, he's only 26 years old with the Patriots. I don't think he's signed anywhere. Yannick Ngakwe on the other side. Uh, Robert Quinn on the other side. I mean, there's a number of different guys. Leonard Floyd still hasn't signed, although he's going to be a little bit more expensive. But those kind of guys, I think their agents are kind of like, let's see what shakes. You know, it's kind of like, you know, okay, you get the guys like Javon Hargrave and all the big name guys, and they quickly they sign. Then there's another wave. And then kind of we're in that lull stage now, and we'll kind of see some trickling ones in. We saw Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, of course, on Sunday sign with the Lions one year, $8 million. Now, this is the situation where if you're the 49ers and you've already uh, moved around some contracts and moved around some money, and you really don't want to make that a massive habit all the time, because you and I talk about this all the time, the credit card bill comes due at some point. And so you keep pushing it back, pushing it back, pushing it back, and you're going to have to pay for it at some point. We found out with the Rams, they've had to do that. Tampa Bay has had to do that. I mean, a number of teams. Philadelphia lost a number of different guys, although I would say that they did better than most people think in terms of keeping their guys like Bradbury and Darius Slay and Fletcher Cox. And uh, they people don't realize they have Jordan Davis, a first-round pick, a defensive tackle. I'm not saying that he's Javon Hargrave, but they're sticking a number one pick where Javon Hargrave was. Uh, they lost two linebackers. They're sticking uh, N'Kobe Dean, a linebacker out of Georgia who was a first-round pick into that space, and then they have picks 10 and 30 in the first round. They fleeced New Orleans last year, so they have New Orleans pick at 10 and their own pick at 30, so they can they can do a couple of things defensively or 
They lost, you know, one of their guards. By the way, Cam Jurgens, second-round pick out of Nebraska, is going to fill that guard spot. So Howie Roseman knows what he's doing in Philadelphia. It's just that there's some unknown guys there. But there are a lot of veteran guys still kind of hanging around, and so that next phase of free agency is still going to be out there. It's just a matter of these guys are kind of sitting back and saying, okay, I know I can get a one-year deal from Team X, or I know I can get a two-year deal from Team X for that amount of money, but let's see what else is out there. And by the way, the situation is not going to get better for those guys because what's going to happen is the draft is obviously going to bring in a whole uh, bunch of new workers, and it's going to be like, whoa. So that's why a lot of these guys, you'd think, God, why did Chauncey Gardner-Johnson sign for one year with a max of $8 million? Because there's a bunch of safeties that are going to be coming onto the scene here in about six weeks, and if you don't sign now, sorry, we don't need you. We just drafted a safety. And so I, I think the 49ers still need an edge guy, a veteran edge guy. It is very difficult to come in and do what Nick Bosa did or do what Aiden Hutchinson did this year with the Lions. Or It's just, you know, there are certain positions running back can come in and do really, really well, right? I mean, there's a number of positions that you can do that. Being a pass rusher, okay, you were a bull rusher in college and you, just, you blew everybody away with your power or you were really, really fast. You're not doing that in the NFL. You've, you've got to have a rapport. You've got to be smart. You got to, it, There's a lot of things to learn, technique, and all these kind of things. I mean, uh, Javon Kinlaw probably came in the league and thought, dude, I'm 6'6", 330. I'm strong as bull, and I, I'm just going to bowl everybody over like I did in the SEC. doesn't work that way. you got to have technique. You can't stand up every single time. So it takes a while to understand how to do things intricately and become that elite kind of a pass rusher. So I think they need a veteran guy. Now, maybe it's going to be Drake Jackson, and he did learn his lesson. But I'd be more comfortable with bringing in a guy who's at least a third down guy, bring him in cheap. And that's kind of what that's probably the waiting game that the 49ers are playing right now. Just kind of like, hey, I think I think Edge would probably be that guy. And maybe if they could find a veteran guy, they brought in John Feliciano today, who, by the way, I knew when I was covering the Raiders. Great locker room guy, uh, played center last year, played a ton of snaps for the Bills. And he's not going to replace Jake Brendel. But he can play guard, he can play center, and in a pinch he can play tackle as well. So he's kind of the replacement for Daniel Brunskill. I don't, he's not a starter uh, on the front, but he is Daniel Brunskill, and they needed to replace that guy. So there's a little uh, shot in that. Uh, Paul, you hear about the uh, 49ers content creator who posted a Twitter poll asking who would be the starter week one in 1,800 votes. It was 80% for Lance. Makes you wonder how lo- loud the minority of fans can be. I mean, if let's put it this way. I don't think it's going to happen, but if Brock Purdy is healthy, even if this is how I see it, let's say Brock Purdy, it, you know, it is six months and he's able to start. Now, again, let's go back to, you know, how careful I was saying that teams are with a Casey Schmidt, a James Wiseman, a Trey Lance. Got to be ready. Uh, can't do it too soon. When it comes to an injury, teams are even worse. So I don't think Brock Purdy is going to be ready, maybe because he might be. But the 49ers are going to be extra careful with the 23-year-old quarterback who might be their quarterback of the future, present, and franchise. So I don't think he's going to be ready week one. But if he is, let's say that it, it is six months and he's ready to go and the 49ers are satisfied with it, he's the starter. And that's what I was saying about Trey Lance before. Can you win a quarterback competition by doing really well in the OTAs, taking over, you know, running routes and shorts with, with your guys away from the – facility, having guys like Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and so forth report back, hey, Trey looks really good, and then not playing any games? I don't think so. Trey could win the job if he plays in, say, the first two or three games of the season. They play really well. They're 2-0, 3-0. Trey's been a star in all three games. He's exactly what they 
thought he would be when they picked him number three, and now you got a Quandre. That's the best case scenario for everybody because now you got two guys, right? So there's a thought. Uh, I thought Lance would get a, ch- a chance, but listen to Pop in your show. He seems pretty animate. Purdy is QB number one. Uh, the reason he is is because the reason Greg is so adamant, they love him. And so, you know, they are in a lot of like. I don't know about love, but they're in a lot of like with Brock Purdy. And so it would take a hell of an offseason, like I said. It would take two or three games at the beginning of the season uh, for Brock Purdy to not be the starter. But I do know this. And the 49ers are, are just like every other team in this regard, so I'm not calling them out in any way, shape, or form. They're just going to be careful. It's six months. I mean, the, the recovery is supposed to be six months to the day. It's March 10th to September 10th. That's exactly six months. September 10th is the first Sunday of the NFL season this year. And March 10th was his surgery. And it's supposed to be six months. So I'm no math guy, but that's six months. So it, it, are they going to say right at the day that, okay, you've been throwing, you didn't have camp, you didn't throw to a lot of these guys, but we're going to just throw you in there week one, go. Are they going to say Trey Lance has been the guy the entire offseason? Hey, look, let's look at the other side. What if Trey Lance is a terrible offseason? They're like, oh, my God, he's regressing or he's not progressing or whatever. I mean, maybe Sam Darnold's a starter. I doubt it. But, I mean, if things go the other way. But, yeah, I mean, look, they look at Brock Purdy as QB1. And I think Kyle even made that clear, even with the injury. I think, I think he did say Brock was the starter. Could be wrong. Hey, Patrick, what's going on? Uh, I feel if uh, Trey starts the season as QB1 and he starts to stink it up in the final two, three weeks, opinions on him will change real fast. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, look, this is his last chance, and I guess that's what I was saying before with Trey. I just want to know. You know, I, I just want to know what Trey is. I'm sick and tired now of we're going into season three of what is Trey. What is Trey? What is Trey? Because if you go back to his rookie year before they in training camp, before they went down to L.A. to take on the Chargers in a joint practice, people were like, Trey could get this job. I mean, over Jimmy, his rookie year. Oh, he's going to sit out. He only threw 318 career college passes at North Dakota State. He can't, you know, got to sit out, got to sit out, got to sit out. All of a sudden in training camp, the whole buzz was, and I'd been down there four or five times, but among the guys who really know, it was like, hey, man, this guy's really good. He's got a rocket arm. He's hitting guys. He's buzzing. People are liking him. And then he went down to uh, the Chargers and the joint practices. He couldn't complete a pass. The ball was hitting the ground. It, it, everything was ugly. It was, it was really bad. And then everything changed. And I'm not saying he hasn't recovered from that, but then, you know, the injuries happen. He didn't get a play. He breaks the finger. He, you know, all that kind of stuff. His rookie year. And people complaining he's running the ball too much, but he wasn't ready to throw it. That wasn't the way that they were going to win games. And so goes to Chicago. It's a bad weather game. We still don't know if he can play. Gets hurt in Seattle or at, uh, at home against Seattle. Jim comes in, saves the day. Jimmy gets hurt. Brock comes in, blah, blah, blah. We know the rest of the story. But we really don't know still on him. And that's why we're sitting here in week three and it's in year three and it's frustrating. And the biggest part is this isn't the Chicago Bears with Justin Fields. This isn't the Detroit Pistons with James Wiseman. They can't just say, dude, <laughs> just go play. We're not going to win games anyway. This is a team in a Super Bowl window. And they thought they should have won the Super Bowl last year. They did. Take my word for it. And then this year, it's even more so. Because as we're seeing from the mass exodus of players, and they did a hell of a jo- job to get Javon Hargrave. But to go back to something we talked about at the, uh, at the beginning of the, of the podcast, are they better? I mean, they got Javon Hargrave. I like him. They got Isaiah Oliver. I like him. Uh, John Feliciano today. Leland Furl, uh, we'll see what Chris Casera can do. But, I mean, they lost 
10, 12 players who are contributors. And maybe Javon Hargrave makes up for that in star power, but this is, this is the NFL. And so guys get hurt. And as we pointed out, and a lot of people pointed out in the chat tonight, 49ers get hurt. So that depth along the defensive line, Jordan Willis today left for the Raiders. Doesn't sound like a big deal on the surface, but Jordan Willis and Charles Amenehu and Hassan Ridgeway, you know, go on down the line. Aziz Alshire, now your your linebacker depth is down. You know, your uh, Isaiah Oliver for Jimmy Ward, we shall see. You lose Emmanuel Mosley. Okay, you just lost cornerback depth, like on and on and on. You lost Daniel Brunskill. Now you get Feliciano. Is he as good of what as what Brunskill was? That's the position that he's going to be asked to fill, which is jack-of-all-trades along the offensive line. You're getting dinged and dinged and dinged and dinged, and you already lost a lot of depth. So now what has to happen? Well, those three third-round picks and the fifth-round picks and everything, all of a sudden the team that is up against it against the cap, all of a sudden we say, hey, they, they draft great in the middle rounds. Well, they better draft great in the middle rounds because that's cheap labor. And it's hard for rookies to come in and just be great right away, but a few of these guys that they pick, even if their first pick isn't until, what, 99? I mean, they've got to come in and they've got to get some contributors in year one. Now, do they have to be superstars? No. But they got to get something out of some guys who could be special teams. Maybe a guy could surprise at linebacker to give them some depth. I mean, they need some stuff, as good as they are, and they are. I think the Eagles are still number one in the NFC. I think they did enough, and I think with those draft picks at 10 and 30, I think Howie Ra uh, Roseman's very smart. I think the 49ers are still right behind them. I think Jalen Hurts can get better. I think Dallas, with their moves, with what they did to get Stephon Gilmore and, and Brandon Cooks, are right there. I think that what Seattle did, Draymond Jones is a really nice player, bought back Jaron Reed. That's where they needed the help inside their line. They have picks 5 and 20 and 2 in the second round as well. And then what the Lions did. They got three new starters in their secondary, including Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Emmanuel Mosley, and they could score points last year. And they pick at 6, 18, 48, and 55. So the great thing is, and I'm assuming that Aaron Rodgers leaves for the Jets, I mean, a lot of the great, the best quarterbacks in the league are in the AFC. So if I look at that NFC team, can the 49ers beat the, the Eagles? Absolutely. Uh, the Vikings won a bunch of one-score games. That normally doesn't carry over from season to season. So, look, the 49ers are going to be right in it, even though they lost a lot of guys. But they still need to get some depth because Javon Hargrave is great, and I wouldn't give him back for all those other guys that, that did leave the team. But the one thing that they did leave is a lack of depth on this team. And we know this over the last few years. They've needed it, and they're going to need it again this year because they play a physical style of football, and that's great. And you wear on the other team, and I think the record is – I don't think a team won the week after they played the 49ers last year, right? So they, they, they wear on you, but they wear on themselves too because they play so physically, so they need a deep roster, and that's what they've lost so far in, in uh, free agency. All right, final thoughts. Uh, Jeffrey, like James Wiseman, we probably won't know what trade could have been. The Warriors made a tough decision to cut their losses, but that's what championship organizations do. Um, I, I hate the Wiseman trade. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. They knew what they were getting with a 19-year-old that had played three college games. What they needed to do was put him in a cabinet, shut the door, lock the door. We ain't trading him. We, not, we may not be playing him, but we're not, we're not trading him. We're just not. He's 21 years old. If I was if I was Joe Lake about it, I said absolutely not. And it's nothing against GP2, but we're seeing what he can do in Detroit when given just the freedom. And I'm not sure that he could have ever done that in, in with the Warriors, but I would have handled it a totally different way. He's seven foot one. He could shoot it from the three point line. He's a monster, and he could turn into Joe Embiid. He really could. Now maybe he doesn't, and probably he won't, but he could. And he's showing a lot of promise in Detroit. 
and they shouldn't have traded him. And I've said that from day one. I just don't like the trade at all. But we'll see. Uh, Patrick, good to see you. Uh, Jimmy Ward, I agree with you. Jimmy's one of my favorite guys, and I think that Isaiah Oliver could potentially fill his shoes to a certain extent. So that's not one of the positions that I'm overly worried about. But Jimmy off the field was a guy who would galvanize this team. Uh, he was cocky. He he had that attitude. You know, he was like Trent Williams in that way. He just brought something to the table. It was like, bring it on. And there is a certain, and I don't care what sport you're playing, there is an aspect of that to your team, the attitude that your team has. And it's kind of like what Draymond Green brings to the Warriors. That's what Jimmy Ward brought to the 49ers. And I don't know where that can be replaced because that's not Nick Bosa. You know, that's not really what he does. You know, he's more of a quiet guy. So I, I don't know who's going to assume that. Fred Warner's got that to a point. Um, certainly, uh, Shavarius Ward has that to a point. But Jimmy Ward was like, bring it on, man. I mean, he said it before games, after games. He challenged guys. He did it on social media. I mean, I, I was just a big fan of Jimmy Ward. And early in his career, I wasn't because he got hurt all the time. But once he caught past kind of that stuff, I agree with you 100%. I'm a big Jimmy Ward guy, but you can't keep everybody. Uh, what else, Paul? Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. What else? What else? What else? I think that's pretty good. If I missed anything, I apologize. I think we got to everything tonight. We covered a lot of ground. Just to recap, WBC, I love it, love it, love it. Uh, Jeffrey says, any thoughts on your victories over Murph and Mack in the first rounds of the media madness bracket? Uh, look, I did take a peruse, and I appreciate it, Jeffrey. And if you vote for me, that would be great. Uh, I'm going to go down to Matt Barrows. I mean, there's no question. There's no embarrassment in going down to Matt Barrows. He's one of the best. Those guys do an awesome job, but I appreciate the support from you especially. It's a lot of fun. I think it's cool, and I think a lot of guys uh, who should get more recognition do an awesome job in covering the 49ers. I enjoy the role that I have in working with Greg every day, and we go down during the season every Wednesday, Thursday, talk to a lot of players and coaches, so I get a lot of insight that way. Uh, I do uh, pre-half and post. I enjoy the hell out of it. Been to a couple of Super Bowls with the 49ers. It's been a lot of fun, but uh, I really respect uh, the guys that, that don't get as much recognition, and I think that's a really cool uh, bracket that they're doing there because there's a lot of good guys beyond the obvious guys like Barros, who does an awesome job, and Lombardi, who does an awesome job, and, and Mayoko and all those different guys. Um, it's really cool, and, and these guys are doing a great job, and I think it's really cool that, that uh, people are – I mean, look, I'm not saying they're discovering them because they've been doing it for a long time, but the guys do a lot – guys do a really good job in, in breaking down and, and really have a passion for the 49ers. And I think it's really, really cool, but thanks for your support on that. I think it's really cool. All right. That'll do it for tonight. I just thought we would get on. We talked some WBC. I thought Japan, uh, tonight versus, uh, Mexico is really, really cool. Tomorrow, the U S we'll get in and talk about that. Uh, Warriors win a road game against Houston. I don't care if it's Houston biggest game of the season, take tomorrow off. And then they take on the uh, Dallas Mavericks. I think that is a massive game coming up. Talked a little bit about the 49ers to this point. And, again, if you didn't get the uh, YouTube channel live, just hit me up in the comment section. Where are the 49ers in the NFC after the first, what, first, second, third wave of, of free agency? And who else would you like to see them go after? Giant spring training. I kind of just got on a soapbox about Casey Schmidt, but he's 24 years old. He's their best defensive player in the organization, including the major leagues, and I think he should be up. I think that players get coddled too much, and I think sometimes you've got to throw them in the, in the deep end and have them swim. Thanks for hanging out with me. I appreciate it. Make sure I didn't miss anything. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, at the end, Mexico. Thanks, Remix. Uh, yeah, that was uh, – it, it's tough. Look, and, they, you know, they can only use certain arms, and it's really tough. And, you know, the teams don't – you know, the major league teams 
don't want to see their guys overused. So it was a difficult situation for Mexico at the end, but it's going to make for a fun game. Japan versus the U.S. in the final tomorrow, and we'll talk more about that. I think we covered everything. Thanks for hanging out on a Monday. Glad you made it through St. Patrick's Day weekend. Had a ball hanging out with you guys tonight. I never take your viewership or listenership for granted. I appreciate it. That is Unleashed with me, John Lund, from KMBR in San Francisco. Make sure you listen to Greg Pop and I, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. weekdays on KMBR and KMBR 680. The podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify, just search John Lund Unleashed. And, of course, make sure that you are subscribed on the YouTube channel. Always, always appreciate it. All you have to do is search John Lund Unleashed. It is John Lund Unleashed for a Monday. Have a great night only on the Locked On Podcast Network.